Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined all the way from America by Carolyn Wonderland. Are you well? I am. I am better than well. I'm, I'm pretty damn fantastic right now. Wow. That's a bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> <laughs> early in the day here <laughs> right uh have you, have you had a coffee is is that the reason for your upbeat mood yes it helps <laughs> <laughs> it does indeed um well the first thing i've got to come to is your wedding was officiated by michael nesmith how the heck did that come about well he's, he's the reason i got to meet my husband actually he had a he puts on these shows on occasion, um, and one year he did it at South by Southwest. It's a music conference here in Austin, and he uh, he had as his MC Whitney Brown. And I was like, oh sweet, I, you know I'm a I'm a fan. I think he's awful cool, and we hit it off incredibly well. And so within a year, he had moved to Austin, decided we were going to get ourselves married. So, well, who better to officiate than the guy that introduced us? So. Uh, yeah, so we went and spent twenty five dollars. Got got Nez an official. <laughs> he's officially ordained, <laughs> and he flew down and married us. There you go. Brilliant, brilliant. What a story. Um, now we were talking just before we started the interview about uh, travel in America, and you were saying that you quite often just jump in the van with all the gear and everything, and. Apparently, back in 2001, you decided to live out of the van because you were touring that much. Yeah, it had come to that. You know, we uh, I, I had a, unfortunately, my, my landlord at the time had fallen ill. And he, uh, long story short, decided to, to cash a bunch of checks that she had lost <laughs> of mine. <laughs> so I was withdrawn and that was it. They're like, well. So she had to she had to go to hospital and her and her family was like yeah we're selling the place so go must move out in two weeks I'm like okay so nowhere to go really it just I thought it would be six months I think everyone who ends up homeless at some point figures oh it'll just be this amount of time and then you realize it's very expensive to be homeless <laughs> it, it really is so so that lasted about two years and. You know, we stayed uh, we stayed on the road a whole lot, so it wasn't it wasn't as psychologically affecting as I suppose it could have been. Mm. But these days, I tell you what, I will I will hang on to my house as best I can. I really love running water. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were saying that you were doing three hundred days a year on the road back in those days. Obviously, last year through a spanner in the works, but roughly how much are you touring nowadays or have you eased off a bit? I'm always trying to find a little bit of a balance, but it's such fun, it's hard, it's hard to stop. <laughs> yes, it is very addictive, isn't it? As well as playing guitar, you are multi-instrumental. You play mandolin, trumpet and piano. What are you most comfortable with? Is it the guitar? Oh, for sure, the guitar. I've I've been enjoying like stretching out on the lap steel a bit more recently, and and I've been having a lot of fun riding on it. But but really, the guitar is it's easier to find my voice, like what I want to say. My my fingers can find it much much better there. The trumpet, I just you know I I play at the house still. It's very fun. My cats absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, I still have a very good time with it. It's like, oh, throw down that Hugh Masekela. Let's do this. Right. Are there other instruments that you're tempted by, or are you, are you just limiting yourself to those? Oh, and, and yeah, anytime there's an instrument around, I, I, I want to try to make a noise on it. So, so yeah, there, there's occasional banjos will find their way over to the house, and you know, or if anything is put over here, it will get played. <laughs> <laughs> and so it should. So it should. Fans, yeah. fans of your music include Mr. Bob Dylan, who has heaped praise on certain of your tunes. That must make you feel right proud. It, it blew my mind, honestly. It's like, you know, clearly, uh, you know, like most songwriters, I'm a huge fan of Bob's. I've seen him play live so many times. I, I love his bands. I, you know, I adore him. And so it's always frightening when you go to meet your heroes, like, oh, no, this this could be really great or this could be really bad. And it turns out he's really awesome. He, he's, he's seriously a musicologist. He loves to talk about music. And so I was I was just in hog heaven. And then, you know, it's like, well, would you like to go play some Jimmy Reed? Like, yeah, let's, let's get <laughs> on some guitars and go play. He's, he's really, really cool. I I will never change my phone number just because you never know. He might call again. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a, a radio show that was broadcast over here in the UK some time ago for a brief period, which he presented. And you could tell straight away, he knows his stuff. He knows his music. I, I enjoyed that. You know, the, the, the stuff between the, the way the songs lead into each other, why he chose them. I, I thought it was fascinating. I, I love that series. You've been in the, the business, as we say, for quite some time now. You were the lead singer of a band called Imperial Monkeys, founding member of Loose Affiliation of Saints and Sinners. What kind of band was that? <laughs> it was just a goofball band. I mean, it, it, it kind of, Imperial Golden Crown Harmonizers is a gospel band that we used to play non-denominational music. Every Sunday we would play at this place, Maria's Taco Express. And so people would, it's, the band was whoever wasn't on tour that week. So you might have four people, you might have eight people, as you just didn't know till you showed up. And it was free, so the public would come to the shows outdoors, people having their margaritas and their Bloody Marys, and, and we'd sit up there and, and, and just play. You're just as likely to hear Blind Willie Johnson followed by, you know, Chocolate Jesus. You know, these, these things made us very happy. And we realized that, that passing around the tip jar, we raised like $100,000 for local charities in, in, in eight years. So that was important, you know, to know that as a musician, you may not have the money that you would like to be able to donate to causes you believe in, but you get enough of you sitting around playing some music and pass around a tip jar, you can actually make a difference. It's, it's, it's a good lesson. Yeah. I think everybody should start a gospel band and do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have done numerous charity events and contributed to numerous charity streamings and fundraisers and stuff. Do you feel that's a way of sort of paying back? Well, yeah. You always want to be able to help out folks. And like I said, musicians and artists in general, typically speaking, don't have like a, the, the greatest, the deepest pockets, shall we say. So... So it's nice when you can invite your friends and your, you know, people who come and, and love music to go, hey, we believe in this cause together. Come hang out with us. We'll have some music. Some people can have drinks and, and then we'll help out. Yeah, I think it's worthy. I, at home, we, we, we work at a, we all volunteer on this group called Home Austin. So that's homeaustin.org. And we raise money 
to keep uh, musicians in Austin 55 and older in their homes because housing is a is an issue here. And I got to say, people have really stepped up and helped us out. And during the pandemic, you know, we, we put on a good live stream last year. So we're going to do it again this year. I'm excited. Well, and you just never know who all is going to be there. I know we got surprising folks like uh, like Susan Tedeschi is going to do some stuff on it. I'm excited. Yeah. You mentioned the tip jar there. And that was one thing I didn't understand on my first trip to America. When you go into a a bar or a club or whatever, the band are playing and there's a tip jar at the front or a bucket or whatever. You know, if you like them, yes, fair enough, tip them. But they're getting paid for this. But bands don't get paid that much, do they? It depends. I I have a theory of, or a practice, I should say myself. It's like if there's a cover charge, if people paid to get in and that is paying the band, then I don't do a tip jar. Or if someone brings a tip jar, it's like that is for charity. But sometimes, and a lot of gigs are like this, you go and you play for just the tip jar. So, yep. you know, so in, in those cases, when I see it and I know that I got in free to a show, then yes, I immediately go to the tip jar and pay. But I think that that's, that's a, a cultural difference as well. I mean, it's much like servers here as well. When I was a waitress, you could not at all make a living on $2 an hour. So you relied on tips. But I think it's so very different, you know, here than it is there. I kind of prefer your system, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, that's another thing I couldn't quite get my head around. and I still don't, to some degree, is the tipping side of things. But uh, And also, when you go into a shop, you buy something in the shop, and then they put the tax on at the counter. Why not just put it on the price of the item? But I'm going off at a tangent here. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 yes, our system, Voyage, it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it keeps the rich rich, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, in the notes that I've been reading through, there's one that just drew my eye. Wonderland's ability to whistle remains most unusual. What is it about your whistling that's unusual? I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, I, think <laughs> I love to whistle. I know that. It used to get me in trouble as a kid, except with my grandfather, because he was also a great whistler. We would, uh, we would harmonize and, Oh, it's very fun. Do you have a very loud wolf whistle or something? No, just melodic. I'm not super loud with it. I just, I just like to, I just like to whistle and make music. Any noise I can do to make music, I'm pretty well into. <laughs> right. You were growing up in Austin when there was people like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Fabulous Thunderbirds, Omar and the Howlers. All those guys were playing. Did you get to see them? I actually grew up in in Houston. Um, and mostly with uh, mostly with folks like like Lavelle White and Jerry Lightfoot and Trudy Lynn, Joe Guitar Hughes and Grady Gaines, people like that. Little Joe Washington. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about all all the fun folks I got to see as a kid. So, did you pick up many not tips from them personally, but watching them? Did you think, oh right, that's what I should be doing? Oh yeah, for sure. Like uh, Little Screaming Kenny was the first live musician I ever saw that. When I when I snuck into the club, they put X's all up and down my arms because my ID was horrible. <laughs> they, they, so I had to sit on the side of the stage, which I was perfectly happy with, you know. And I realized about halfway through the set that it's like, I don't know any of these songs. Wait a second. He wrote these songs. I want to do that. I want to <laughs> do that so bad. And 10 years later, I got to be in a band with him. So Little Screaming Kenny probably set me on my on my path more than just about anyone. And another thing that uh, it says here is the thrill of your life was when Bonnie Raitt joined you on stage. 
does that still rank as the, the, the highlight of your career so far? Uh, it, well, for me personally, yeah. I mean, I have no idea. But it, I mean, it's hard to say best or whatnot. I mean, getting to play with Levon Helm was life-changing life entirely and turned my head around. But but Bonnie, she was so generous and kind. I was not expecting that at all. I think I think you can tell. I know there's, there's video of it on the Internet, and it's quite funny because, yeah, just the look on my face is there's a little bit of terror and, and a great deal of joy. And at the very end of the of the song, I look up and my mother, who was still alive at the time, is on the side of the stage, you know, just looking down like, this is amazing. And I'm looking at her like, this is great. <laughs> and and I realize it's like, don't turn to your right. Christofferson is sitting right next to you and she would have fainted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had the pleasure of seeing Bonnie Waits a few years ago. And obviously I've heard her music over the, over the years, but... To actually see her performing, she's one of the best slide guitarists in the world, I would say. Oh, she's so tasteful. Everything she does serves the song, you know. It's, I mean, it can be flashy if she wants it to be, but it seldom is. It's like, no, this is what makes the song better, and she's right, you know. God, she's right. <laughs> so, again, is that one of the lessons that you learn from playing or watching somebody? I think so. I think it's a bit more important to to support the song, to make, you know, when there's a passage that it's important, to be supportive in the music is, is more important than being flashy, for sure. On your most recent album, uh, you've got Jimmy Dale, Gilmore, uh, Red Young, Marcia Ball, Shelley King. All these people just popped into the studio to help out. Are these in, yeah. your, are these in your phone book? Are these friends of yours? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Marcia and I, uh, Marcia Shelley and I, are all on the board of, of home. We we all volunteer together, so we've we've all been friends for years. And and Cindy Cashdollar, she's one of my she's one of my heroes. She's the whole reason I got to do this with with Dave. I was up in I was up in Woodstock, and she's asking, well, what would you like to do for a record? I had just realized that's like being on the road with John May all as long as I had. I was like, oh, he's so generous. I think I have enough money saved up. I, I should make a record, you know. I've, I've got a little collection of songs going. And she's like, who would you like to do it? And I was like, well, you know, in a perfect world, I'd, I'd ask Dave Alvin to do it. And, and so she called him. <laughs> and he said yes. <laughs> and I was very surprised. But but I think the magic trick there is to is to record your album in January because... Very few people are on the road in January, and your chance of getting your friends to come over is, is exponentially increased. <laughs> uh, there you go. Listen to us all. Well, I'm glad you mentioned yeah. John Mayle there, because I, I got it in my notes, but I totally forgot about that, that you were his lead guitarist for a few years, and the first yeah, female going, lead guitarist that he's ever had. I know. It's kind of odd, but yeah, it's very cool. He's he is seriously the best boss ever. He's He's a walking lesson. And, and A, how to lead a band, and B, just how to be true to yourself. He's he's incredibly joyful. It doesn't matter what's going on so long as we get to play a gig. The guy is just, he's an angel. I love him. I'm going to uh, go play with him again in a couple of weeks and then again in, in December, so I'm looking forward to it. And I can imagine in the green room be, before going on stage, many an anecdote was told. <laughs> yes, he has a lot of great stories. <laughs> Uh, but this record, Tempting Fate, uh, is your first one with Alligator Records. I mean, that yeah. Alligator, a big, big name in the blues world. You must be so chuffed to be with them now. Super excited. I couldn't believe it when 
when when Bruce called, I was I was shocked. I was, I, I, you know, I I wasn't sure like this was for real. Someone pulling my leg, but but Bruce was incredibly sweet and was like, yeah, what, I, I'd like to hear your record. What you know, I hear it's, I hear you, I hear it's cool. I was like, all right. So I sent it to him, and I couldn't believe it. He, he he's putting it out exactly as I sent it. So I'm I was incredibly chuffed, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what beautiful. Well. I had the pleasure of meeting Bruce when he was over last time for the Blues Music Awards, and he's just such a genuine person, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's super sweet. I don't, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that you know, fame or adulation or that like has ever really gotten to him. He's 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 the kind of guy that goes out on tour with bands to see how it's see how it's going, and I I think that's awesome. Yeah, and he's and he's always just a phone call or an email away. He's you know he's incredibly hands-on with stuff likes to make sure that everybody's happy this is going well you did what you're supposed to do right it's like yep perfect well there's one thing you do get about alligator there's that real family feel about it it's a family business oh yeah the most of the people who've worked there have worked there more than 20 years they they all know each other incredibly well yeah and i think that's important you know and on the album, you've got a mix of original songs and some of your favorites. How did you go about choosing the favorites? They were songs that that meant something to me at different points in my life, like uh, like "Loser," for example, uh, the 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 Garcia Hunter song. I I learned that the night that uh, the night that Jerry Garcia had passed away, we were playing at a at a biker rally, and I was like, I have to play this song tonight. I absolutely have to play this song tonight. So I went to the payphone. And, uh, and called my friends in Houston to make sure I had the lyrics right, which is hilarious, actually, now that I look back on it, because there was, like, two payphones at this biker rally and, like, this line of dudes behind me going, shut up, get off the phone. I'm just <laughs> down words. <laughs> but, but that song, it you know, the, the jam aspect of it had totally evolved, like, you know, over the last, you know, decades. It's just been... It, it grows, it ebbs, it flows, and I, I had never recorded it. So I knew that Dave had, had recorded an acoustic version, and I thought, well, this would be interesting to see what happens if, if our two ideas come together. And it was so fun to do live, you know, in the studio. So so I got to trade solos with Dave, and that was, that was, that was killer. I can't wait to do that again. Is that how the album was recorded then, live on the floor? Not many overdubs? Yeah, mostly. I mean, you know, there, there's a few songs that, like, you know, that we would we would break apart, or that, or that it's like you want the the vocal to be softer, but still, like, go in and, and record everything live, and and then and then clean up. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you're going to be promoting this album touring now that travel is easing and the world is opening up again. Any plans to come over to the UK? God, I'd love to. I was really, really hoping we can do something in the spring or summer. So I'm going to knock on wood and keep my fingers crossed. Because, yeah, I, I've only got to be there a few times. You know, once once to catch, uh, you know, a couple of Dylan shows. And then uh, and then over there with, with John this last last time at Ronnie Scott's. But I haven't, haven't really got to come around and, and check out the UK hardly at all. So I'd love to. We'd love to see you as well. And more songwriting, are you, are you one of these that continuously songwrite, or do you set yourself some time to do that? They just come when they come. I, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep. I like to 
to pull out a guitar and just, you know, kind of entertain myself. And sometimes a, a full song just pours out in five minutes and other times you got to spend some time on it. But yeah, I have a small little seed collection for the next one. <laughs> I was going to say, so is there another one on the horizon? I always hope so. You know, you, you always say it's your latest record and not your last. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute joy talking to you, and I hope we do get to see you over here sometime, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much, and thanks thanks for, you know, thanks for letting me do this. It's awful sweet. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come, and of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.